Hello again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast. This week we are up to episode number 117. I am Michael Citro. I am the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com. Joining me is Mainland senior columnist Dave Rowe. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing outstanding. Um, you know, we're uh, uh, it's, it's a little windy up here in Tallahassee, but uh, despite that and despite... Um, uh, Potential problems at work. I, I'm here. I made it. And that's a good thing. <laughs> All right. Don't have any potential problems at work. That's not good. No, 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 no. I'm not losing my job or anything. People. That's good. Um, I'm glad also that you avoided the thunderstorm action that we've had uh, here in Central Florida all day on and off. So it's been kind of crazy today. I, I, I drove home in a hailstorm. That was fun. Ooh, yeah, that is fun. Uh, it's, especially with the, your nice new car. Yeah, I have, a new, I have no idea if I have sustained any damage because it's been raining on and off, so I'm going to check it out in the morning. But I don't think so. I mean, obviously I heard clunk, clunk every now and then, but it wasn't like <laughs> I didn't notice any giant pieces or anything. So we'll have to see. Well, I'd recommend a guy, but he's all the way up here, so that won't help. No, probably not. All right, um... I think if anybody's still listening, we should probably talk a little bit about Orlando City. Um, and then if they haven't stopped listening, they will as soon as we start talking about the uh, 2-0 loss <laughs> at Yankee Stadium on Saturday. Um, so, Dave, here's a game. I'm, I'm going to just give you my thoughts on it. And I'm, you can kind of you can kind of, um, you know, jump in where you need to or, or, sure. or give me your you know thoughts afterwards, whatever. But um, so uh, – go to Orlando Orlando City goes to New York and uh, immediately we see things are a little different Sasha question back in the lineup uh, or I should say in the lineup he hasn't been in the lineup because of the suspension uh, but he uh, start gets the start um, and uh, Christian Gita gets the start at defensive mid and uh, RJ Allen as we surmised uh, might have an opportunity to play in that game it's in place of Scott Sutter, and he did indeed get the start. So things are a little different right off the bat as uh, Jason Kreiss uh, shook things up a little bit. And also, something I did not anticipate, because uh, I really thought it wouldn't happen until after the bye week, uh, Josue Coleman in the 18, Dave. Yeah, and that wasn't all. <laughs> he ended up on the field at one point. That's true. Good it did. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. So... Okay, so the the game starts and it's pretty clear early on that it's <clears throat> a typical Yankee Stadium game. No space, you know, people are closed down instantly. You don't have the time you normally would have to uh, to turn, look around, and that kind of thing. And it's just very sloppy, very pinball-y type of game uh, as you normally see there. You also see that Orlando City's not playing the same style they played the first two games. They're a little more willing to just boot the ball away and let New York have it um, and then wait for opportunities. Just wanted to stay behind it, stay organized. They were able to do that for about an hour. Uh, and unfortunately, they didn't really create any scoring chances off of that uh, that style. The you know you, What you want to do there is get some counterattacks going, but they really didn't pass very well in the final third, didn't link up well um, in the offensive half really much at all. Uh, a couple of half chances, nothing uh, too serious, but it was still nil-nil when Justin Miram had a very good opportunity and uh, just fizzed it inches wide of the back post. That was a, a big moment in the game as it could have uh, really put uh, the Lions on the front foot because uh, as the old cliche goes, goals change games. 
goals do indeed change games. <laughs> and and the, I want to I want to touch back on the thing that you said. The word that I was uh, also going to use, which was pinball. It's I I despise that that pitch so much. I, I'm not going to call it a pitch. It's not a pitch. I, I despise that baseball diamond so much. It makes the soccer so ugly it's unwatchable it really i mean and i was lucky because the game was at 3 30 and i was at work so all i could do was occasionally you know look at my tablet and see what was going on and every time i did it was like i'd look at it and go Ugh, because you know it balls are bouncing off of shins nobody can maintain any kind of uh, decent passing it's just it's very very uh, it's very ugly so yeah, I didn't care much. For, I, I never have cared for watching games there. It's very difficult to get a read on. On um, there's there's no flow in the games. It really just comes down to who makes uh, the other team pay for their mistakes. And um, you know, Orlando City, to their credit, stayed organized. They only gave up really, a, I'd say, in the entire game, maybe four scoring opportunities um, of any any type of threat at all. And in fact, uh, only gave up two shots on goal in the entire game. Um, unfortunately, they both went in. Um, so after about an hour of back and forth play, uh, nobody really having the upper hand. Um, sure, New York had more possession. Um, they were passing better. Certainly, Orlando City didn't mind that New York had more possession, but I'm sure they would have certainly liked to have passed better uh, than they did because uh, the, the Lions did not pass very well at all, particularly in the final third. But the, no. um, you know, the game all turned in the in the second half uh, about, uh, you know, like I said, 15 minutes in, 16 minutes in when uh, uh, just a, a, a series of bad plays uh, ended up with uh, – just the ball in front of in front of the net with uh, nobody but Joe Bendick there, uh, and you know goalkeepers are a little bit um, sort of at the mercy of the uh, the striker at that point when it's just one on one in the box and uh, there's space between them. So from my perspective, what happens here is that Sean Johnson has a kick down the field that's played all the way up to Orlando city's box. Orlando city is able to gain control of the ball, send it uh, a little bit forward, but still in their own half. And there's really an opportunity here as the ball lands at Christian Aguita's feet to spring a, uh, a, a counter that really could have been dangerous. A uh, question was up. Merrim was up. Yotun was up there and, uh, and Chris Mueller. And so Aguita tries to get the ball to, um, uh, Yotun, but what happens is it's a soft, lazy pass, and it's well offline. It's uh, Yotun's got to come running across almost uh, a good 15 yards to try to get to the ball, and it, before he gets there, it's picked off. So now the ball ends up in the corner uh, on R.J. Allen's foot as, as he, you know, uh, gets in the way and you know sort of stems the flow for a second, but. R.J. Allen's got it at right back with a lot of defenders around him, a lot of uh, opposing players around him. He hands off to Yoshi, passes him just a few feet away, just lays it off. And now Yoshi's got it. He's got two opportunities, though, because he's got a man on, and he's facing his own goal line. Now, R.J. Allen had, had continued up the field. That gives Yoshi basically two, three things he could do at that point. He can backheel it and try to get it to R.J., who was actually in space there, and maybe that's the best play. He can try to turn, lose his man, and, and get the ball up the you know up the pitch, or he can pass it back to Joe Bendick. So, what did he do? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> he passed back to Joe, which isn't a bad play, except for the way he did it. <laughs> he hit it way too hard, and he got air under it. And that combination of those two things, uh, those were two very bad things because um, – it was it made things difficult for Joe to handle. And the other thing the other part of that is is that Bendick for whatever reason, he I don't know if he was just trying to be careful and not to miss it or what he was doing, but it looked like he almost tried to one touch pass it to somebody rather than just smash the thing up the field and just uh, take the heat off. And which right. whatever he was trying to do there, it didn't work at all. Because it ended up uh, not with any of his teammates, but right in the box behind all defenders uh, to, uh, you know, the the striker for who was actually in for David Villa because Villa was a surprise scratch to us on game day. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ismael Tajori uh, ends up with the ball right in front of Bendik, and all he does is take a touch to his right. And, uh, and puts it in the net to make it one nil in the 62nd minute. It was um, it was a it was a bad play. Like I said, on many many different levels, I, I described really what happened. Um, I, I've watched this play way too many times because <laughs> every single time it aggravates me. Every facet of the play aggravates me. Um, yeah, from Higita's uh, initial like whisper touch. Uh, pass to to the end. It's 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 very it, it's a it's a lesson in what not to do when in your in your defensive end. It, it was a lazy pass, and you know a lot of people um, have been clamoring for Higita to get on the field, and and I I like Christian as a player. I mean he's still a young guy. I think he still has some potential untapped there, but uh, and he certainly can be a midfield destroyer. But, and we both said so at the end of last year, if anybody wants to go back and listen, yeah. lest they think that we're getting on him. He, he doesn't have an offensively inclined bone in his body, though. And really where he gets into trouble, despite, you know, he'll have games where he's passing at 90%. But almost all of that is sideways or backwards passes. His forward passes are rarely accurate. They're often lazy. And this one was both inaccurate and lazy. And it wasn't good enough. The other thing that he has trouble with is getting the ball out of his feet quickly when there's a, when there's a, an opponent nearby and he'll get the ball taken from him just because he has, you know, just a little trouble digging it out of his feet from time to time. And I'm not sure um, why he hasn't really corrected that issue yet. Now, again, in this case, he gets the ball. He's got the right idea. If he gets it to Yotun accurately and on time, Yotun can look up and he's probably got, three guys he can give the ball to and that's going to give Orlando City a 3v3 or maybe a 3v4 but with those players you kind of like their chances in a 3v4 situation on, on the transition especially given Yotun's uh, ability to put a ball in I mean he's he's very accurate in that respect so if he if he could have gotten to the ball Yotun and Yotun like you said he would have picked his head up he would have known what to do with mm -hmm. it gotten it up there then you like our chances yeah, I liked our chances there uh, for, you know, potentially a breakthrough. And then, you know, I'm I'm blaming Igita for the ball being where it was. I'm not blaming him for the goal. I'm blaming him for the for the fact that it started a sequence that didn't need to be started. Um, RJ Allen did, did well to gain control. He had possession. He had a man on, so he gave it to Yoshi. And that's, you know, not a bad thing to do. Now, Yoshi hasn't played that much with RJ Allen. So maybe he expected RJ to maybe retreat and get some space that way, but RJ continued up the field. Now, 
Yotun's not averse to a little back heel pass, uh, but he didn't think to do it in that case. And I don't know if he just wasn't ready for Allen to do what he did or, or if he wasn't aware that his defender was on him so tightly at the moment. Whatever the reason was, he decided to go back to Bendik. And again, the decision's fine. The execution was terrible. Just like Higita's decision was fine. Right. His execution was bad. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Bendik's uh, execution was quite bad also. So you had three really bad plays in the span of 10 to 12 seconds. And you take a scoreless tie, and now you're behind 1-0 on the road. A place, uh, well, not on the road, but a place uh, one behind we've, we know all too well so far this season. Um, I, I, I thought of this earlier today. I think that perhaps the, the promise is we're playing with too many guys on the field. Um, we seem to do better when we're a man down. Yeah, let's play with 10. Um, also, I didn't mention the, the fact that uh, in the first half, uh, Jonathan Spector took a knock to the noggin and was slow to get up, came back in the, and played the rest of the first half before being subbed out at halftime. Um, those were not team doctors. I've spoken to uh, the communications staff at Orlando City. I was in contact with them right from the get-go after the after the game to try to get more information. And, and you know, it wasn't Orlando City team doctors on the pitch. So I'm, you know, so the club's not going to comment on uh, what specifically happened in this case to let Jonathan go back onto the pitch, but clearly he has a concussion now. So, you know, he should never have been allowed back on the pitch. So whatever happened was a failure in some respect. If he's, if he passed concussion protocol, then concussion protocol needs to be looked at. If he (laughs) didn't, then he should have never been allowed back on the pitch. But, um, uh, that was a nasty looking collision with Maxime Cheneau and, um, is it Chanel or Chanot? I cannot remember. But either way, it was a nasty-looking collision. And, and the captain is day-to-day. Um, hopefully it won't be a long-term thing. But you, you, that's the thing about concussions is you never, ever know how long that's going to keep someone out. All it says, you should not have hit him in the head like that. Yeah, don't do not do that. Um, okay, so it's 1-0 now, 62 minutes in. And it nearly becomes 2-0 within two minutes. Because, again, there's a back pass to Joe. Joe's way outside. I mean, he's outside his area at this point, and he waits on the ball with a guy charging at him. And I'm sitting yeah. there. I don't know about you. I'm screaming at the television, get up there and get it. And uh, the ball got to Joe just before, just before the uh, the onrushing player who I, I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head if it was um, uh, Tajori again, if it was Morales or maybe Medina. Uh, or even Wallace, but one of those players was scree- you know, just screaming toward him, and the ball got there just a split second before the defender got there, so he was able to get rid of it. But man, that was very close. Yeah, um, I don't know um, what they put in Joe's water bottle, but he was not he was not sharp that night. Uh, that play that you mentioned a good example of that. Um, yeah, he 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 seemed a little just a little off the entire evening, and um, yeah, that's and that Joe's usually a bit more uh, aggressive on on the ball. Mm-hmm than that so that was pretty surprising i I wasn't able to yell like i said i was at work so i would have gotten in trouble but uh i was screaming on the inside 
Yeah, now uh, 12 minutes after the first goal, uh, New York essentially put the game away. Morales scored off another bad turnover. This time it was Kleshton. Um, he turned to dribble out of trouble uh, or out of uh, his own end, and he tried to pass off to Will Johnson. Uh, did not uh, see the, def- the, the the attacking player coming, and the you know basically stepped right in front. Uh, Saad Abdul Salam stood stepped in front, took the ball, uh, crossed it in. Uh, Medina took a little flick in, uh, onto Morales, and Morales just uh, put it in the net. Pretty, uh, pretty simple. Um, and and really that was it. It was done and dusted. Johnson hit the crossbar. Um, you know, in the closing minutes, it probably wouldn't would have just been a, a, a nice consolation goal. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, um, Coleman came on for the last 14 minutes. He did actually show. Uh, some real moments of brilliance with some dribbling between players uh, and, and getting getting into the yep. box and and I think I'm pretty sure it was it was yeah it was his pass that led to Johnson's shot off the bar so um, you know a pretty good debut for uh, for uh, the Paraguayan and and I think that you know we saw enough in that 14 minutes to really be excited for when he uh, is is fully uh, capable of doing 90 minutes and uh, i thought Kleshton looked a little bit rusty and i think you would expect that if, he, if he's playing his first game of the season and most of those guys are playing their third um he's not going to look up to speed and i thought um we might see that uh, he actually passed at a much higher percentage than i thought he would uh but there were some moments of of not being very sharp there was uh, some moments where he and and Merrim kind of made had the same idea of where to go and so they were instead of one person right. going one way and one the other way they both went to the same place uh that happened a few times but overall not too bad but uh a disappointing game because it was a game that looked like something was there for the taking at least for the longest time it didn't seem like either team would be able to score and I think if you say going to New York City before the weekend, I think if you say, yeah, they're going to come home with a draw, I think most people would have taken that. That was actually my prediction, and uh, I was really hoping uh, that it would be true. And when we went down uh, one, I was like, okay, I could still be right. And then we went down two, and I was like, okay, well, Michael could still be right. We could score, and then it would be 2-1 like he said. And we were both wrong. Yeah, if Will was a little more accurate, I would have had the score right, but... um... Yep. He was not. So uh, that's why we always preface our uh, our predictions by saying they're going to be wrong. They're going to be wrong, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, of course, uh, Coleman wasn't the uh, only guy to make his debut for Orlando City either. Well, right, because Spectre have not being able to play the second half, we did get to see Lamine Sané, and he really looked good. Yeah, he did. I'm, I mean, it was uh, – and uh, Turk looked good too. So uh, the the – the bright spot, despite there being two goals, but those had nothing to do with center backs. The bright spot were the center backs in that game. Yeah, they really were. And in fact, uh, if you want, you can go ahead and hit me with your man of the match now. Uh, it's going to be Sané. And the reason I, I was going back and forth between him and Tarek, and, and the reason that I went with uh, Lamina is it was his uh, his debut. He came on for a uh, wounded specter and, you know, jumped right in, played... Very good soccer. Um, he did well on, um, you know, positioning um, and uh, the had he had good clearances. There was there was very little that he he did wrong, especially coming in, like I say, f- maybe not expecting to that early. So for me, because um, he came in at halftime, so um, you know he played a really good half 
of soccer. And, and so because of that, it was very close, but because of that, he gets my man of the match. All right. That's, that's, I think a fair, uh, a fair thing to say. I will say that for, um, my money, I would like to give my man of the match to, I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with Tarek here. I think because he played, uh, well for the full 90 rather than just half the game. Um, but I, I mean, I thought definitely the center backs looked pretty good throughout the match. Uh, even Specter when he was in there. So uh, Specter, Tarek, and, and Sané all, all played uh, pretty well. They were, for the most part, handling what New York was throwing at them. And again, it, it really just came down to, you know, something that they couldn't do anything about. That that mistake uh, by Bendik, uh, if he, you know. <laughs> There's nothing they could do about that. They're they're already out of the play when that ball gets turned over, and then exactly. uh, the second uh, the second time, you know, I mean, I don't know that anybody could have played that any better either. Because again, quick turnover, really hard to adjust and get back into to position to stop anything. Because uh, you know, uh, Saad uh, Abdul Salam was coming uh, full speed, got a nice cross in, and then the little flick from Medina uh, basically gave nobody any chance to do anything on that play. So. Yeah, uh, so you go with Sané, I'll go with Tarek. I think that's good, a good split because I think they were both deserving of some some mention for that. But um, it, it, was a, it was a disappointing result for sure. It was, um, you know, when we were talking in our chat room, our internal chat room before the game, and people were like, predictions. And I said, well, I think I predicted 2-1 to one to the hosts. And people were like, okay, two, I'll go 2-2. Two, two. I think, you know, some people were saying – three nothing or three one to new york they were being a little pessimistic and then when they found out via wasn't playing people were changing their predictions and i said you know i'm gonna stay stand pat because i think that this is a dangerous team whether via is on the pitch or not because there really are a lot of players on that team that that drive that offense medina is one um uh, morales is one Uh, wallace has given us trouble in the past um and, and you knew that the backup striker was probably going to be pretty decent quality too. So, um, and then, you know, the engine room for that team of, of uh, Herrera and uh, ring were, they were masterful in that game. I, I, I remember one instance where I thought Kleshin's in alone. He's in alone behind the defense and ring came out of nowhere to get between Kleshin and the ball. And yeah. it's a tremendous defensive play, very underrated play in that game because otherwise Kleshin could have uh, opened his account for Orlando City. Uh, all he needed to do was beat the goalkeeper at that point. So, Yeah, and it, it is disappointing when, uh, you know, because you, you hear that Villa's out and you're like, oh, it's a, it's this little, you know, ray of sunshine. You're like, oh, you know, and yes, it, like you just said, it doesn't mean that they don't have plenty of other players, but he is a great player. And has burned us in the past. So, you know, him not being there, you're like, oh, well, that's that's can only be a good thing. <laughs> um, turns out it wasn't enough of a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, like you, um, I didn't change my prediction just because of that news yeah. either. Um, as much to do with just that that environment and that that field and the little postage stamp piece of junk that it is. It, it's uh, I'll, I'll say nasty words if I keep you. All right. Well, I'll interrupt you then. The other thing, too, about Via being out, there's two things that happen when a star player goes out. The other team can kind of sometimes relax a little too much, thinking that, OK, you know, this guy's out. We've got this. 
and sometimes that right. can, they can unnecessary they can be a false sense of security and the other thing is that the team that's down the star player sometimes they raise their level because uh, i mean we saw it last year when kaka got hurt on opening day i mean that team yep. played very very well and very hard for a few games uh without the captain in place uh, i thought that they they elevated their game especially on the defensive end uh pretty well last year when that happened so we've seen it happen before um I, I I would venture to say that Minnesota did when Molino got hurt uh, last uh, week. So um, it's something that can happen. It can. Um, if it could happen for us uh, right now, that would be great. We have more people <laughs> out on injury than anybody else. So, uh, you know, let's just put that out there. Uh, everybody else, let's step up a little bit more. Yeah. So I wanted to get into, to, I think, um, some of the things that we saw on social media because, you know, People have a tendency to panic regardless of whether or not you think that uh, the team is, is, you know, should not right off the get-go be awesome. I mean, even though you go get all these players, that doesn't necessarily mean that the team's going to be instant, instant chemistry. And especially when those players are not all on the field. So, you know... There, that makes it harder, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of... I mean, just a lot of hand wringing, and I, I really for this, for that game, like I, I understood um, being being a little upset you lost to Minnesota. I I totally get that. You got a home game against a team that's perceived to be bad, although they just went and beat Chicago uh, this weekend, so they actually have a winning record right now. Um, Correct. Your ex coach. Uh, so there, I mean, there's a lot of emotional factors there that factor into that, and and you've. Uh, you've now dropped points that you don't think you should have dropped. But I think if, even if the team was two and O going to New York, I think most people would have thought that's a tough ask, even though they've done well there before in the past and, and gotten some points. So it, it's a little, I thought that it was a little too much, uh, too much panicking and a little too much uh, um, abandoned ship talk, you know? Uh, and of course, well, so much of that was directed at Jason Christ and the four, four, two, because yes. here's what I found, Dave, is that people love an easy fix, especially Americans. We love an easy fix. What, what do we need to, what one thing can we do to make everything better? And what can make it turn around right now? Yeah. And so I, they look for a single point of failure and they they say well well the the common the common thing is uh, Jason Christ in the four four two, and as we explained, you know when we talked about the goals, these were turnovers. Jason Christ didn't say, hey guys, why don't you turn the ball over in your own end? That's that's our strategy. If he did that, then go out and make <laughs> some bad passes. <laughs> if he does that, then he's to blame. If these bad Great. passes are because they're in a 4-4-2, then the 4-4-2 is to blame. But I don't believe either of those things to be the case. I believe that he had a plan he wanted to use. He had a shape he wanted to use. He had the players he wanted to use. And, you know, when those players weren't available, he went with the backup players that he wanted to use. Thank you for clarifying because <laughs> I was going to say something there. Yeah, so they go out. You get some mistakes. Uh, Yoshi Otoon doesn't usually make that mistake. Sasha Kleshin doesn't usually make that mistake. Joe Bendick doesn't usually make that mistake, but it happens. And a lot of times, you know, especially in a game like soccer, where there's 11 v 11, there's multiple points of failure. And if anything goes wrong in any of those spots, 
somebody's not positioned correctly, they don't execute correctly, whatever the case may be, it's, you know, there, there are many variables involved. It's not a single point of failure. It's not one scapegoat. We love to have one scapegoat. We love to have one thing we can point to and say, if that changes, everything's better. And I don't necessarily agree that that's the case. And nobody's really given me any compelling argument for any candidate to replace Jason Christ. All I've heard is got to get rid of Jason Christ. Everything will be fixed if we get rid of Jason Christ. This team will start, you know, start to take off and get rid of Jason Christ. Does that mean they think that anybody can coach this team? Because again, I look around and I'm like, well, who's available? What would they even do? Um, you and I have already talked about this. I'm willing to give this thing to the end of April to see how things go once all the pieces are on the field, or at least 90% of the pieces are on the field, and they have time to get to know each other on the field. Um, let me let me read you this. Because um, a lot of people were pointing to Charlie Davies uh, saying that he thought that the team should uh, change shape. And what they didn't say, or what they didn't cite, a lot of these people, was that Charlie Davies also said this. I'm going to read the quote. <clears throat> The fact of the matter is that we've yet to see Orlando City at full strength. Okay, that's a key element right there, at full strength. Mm -hmm. They seemingly made all the right moves in what was a hype-filled offseason, but they are still a work in progress. It won't be fair to grade them. Dave, I'm going to read that part again. It won't be fair to grade them until all those pieces have taken the field and gone through several reps together. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, that sounds like a logical response to something that has no place in fans talking about this sport. The pressure on the team will build with every negative result, but the fact is that there's no skimping on the process, end quote. Now, I think Charlie Davies pretty much gave you my thoughts almost word for word on this early part of the season. That's why I'm not yeah. panicking. I'm not – people are people are ripping us for not ripping – Jason Christ. They want us to put coaching grades in our player grades pieces. They want all these different things. And it's like, you know what? You just want someone to agree with you loudly. You're saying something loudly. You would like loud agreement. And that's not really what we're doing. Um, I, I can't I can't criticize the 442 if I don't believe that that's the problem. So I'm not going to do that. I got to be true to myself. I don't think that the shape is the problem. I don't I don't necessarily agree that the team is doesn't have the personnel to play that. And if Jason Christ knows, like every coach knows, that his 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 employment depends on success and results, he's not going to use something that he doesn't think can be successful. Well, not only that, but let's remember that the players practice for games. They are practicing in a 442 diamond. That is what they're doing in practice. Switching it up once you got to the game would be a monumentally bad idea barring injuries. Obviously or you know somebody gets a red card and goes off, then you have to change shape. You can change shape in halftime sometimes if something's not working and you see something. Usually that's not a major change in shape. It's a one or two player, hey, do this instead of what you were doing. Push a little higher, sit back a little bit more, move inside a little bit more, something like that. But it's, it's you know, when we talk about – that's the other thing. When we talk about shape, um, I, I 
I dare people when they if they had an aerial view of a match to at any one point other than you know the start of the game or the start of the half to see um, everybody in that particular shape in you know what we visualize when we do the little graphs. You know, soccer is very fluid. You know, guys are moving here, there. They may generally be in an area, but it, you know, a four-four-two diamond is going to look like a, a flat four-four-two. It sometimes it's it's going to look like a uh, you know a, um, it's it's going to look like a four-four-three. It's four-three-three. It's going to you know there's going to be other things that are going on. So it's to getting back to you know the first part of my point was. This is what they've been practicing, even and especially with the other pieces that are out. Um, Justin Miram has been practicing up top, mm-hmm. so that's where Jason is going to play him. Well, the game planning is is a is a big part of what you play on on game day, and it, people say, well, well, they should not have game planned for that, and it, you know, I I, I don't. And that's another argument. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have. Uh, I don't disagree that they could try other shapes. I don't. I certainly don't. I don't. I, People say Miriam's a left wing. He's always been a left wing, but he's also played striker in his career. He's also been a, a second striker. He's he's done that before. He's capable of doing that. Um, but he also spent a lot of the game out left anyway, so sort of already playing that left wing role in some respects. He's um, you know he's been where he's been, and and he's I, I don't think anybody can't be successful where they've been placed. I don't. I, I mean, certainly, if Krishna Gita is a six, he's capable of playing the six. Um, yeah. whether it's a diamond or whether he needs somebody next to him, I mean, um, you know, he's played both and defensively, I thought he played fine. Uh, he did make some mistakes passing the ball as he usually does, uh, trying to, trying to get, that's the thing that he's not picked up yet is connecting the back to the front. That's the one part of his game that he hasn't really done well. Um, he's actually better when he brings the ball up himself, uh, than when he tries to, you know, his long pass. His long forward balls are, are just not very accurate usually. So uh, anything that has to travel 20 yards or more from him uh, forward it, it just doesn't work very well typically. But, you know, in, at the end of the day, you know, I want this team to be successful just as much as any of our readers or any of our listeners do or anybody that follows us on Twitter. And I will, of course. you know, if, if, if the results don't turn around when – the pieces are all in place or, you know, again, most of the pieces, let's get Rossell out there. Let's get Dwyer out there. Um, let's have Coleman for more than 15 minutes and <laughs> we'll see what happens. And, and, you know, gradually, if those results don't get better, then I will agree that it's time to start looking for another coach for this team. I will definitely say that I will definitely write about that. Um, yeah. But again, you know, what you do is you, you hire a chef and half the stuff in your pantry is bad. So you go and you buy a, you order all the right stuff to make the, 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 the wonderful gourmet cuisine and it hasn't arrived yet. And then you're, well, well, and then, some and of then, it's arrived and some of it's on back yeah, order. And then you're, you know, some of it's on back order. You're asked to prepare the meal. The meal's not going to quite come out the way you want it to right away. Um, and that's, I think, where we're at. I think what we saw was he like they said, they made some adjustments last year. It wasn't enough. The The entire league got better, especially the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference grew by leaps and bounds last year. And 
that it wasn't good enough. And they, they'll all admit it wasn't good enough. Uh, Nikki Budalich admitted it. Jason Christ admitted it. They didn't swing high enough, you know, for the they didn't swing hard enough this year. They took much bigger swings at it, went out and got what I believe is a consensus. Uh, you know, no matter who you ask a, a, a great collection of players to add to the team. And they haven't had a chance to implement that yet. So I think you give them a chance to implement it. If it gets implemented and it doesn't work yet, or it doesn't work. Then you start having those conversations. I'm just, I'm just not at that point yet. And that's not, it, it's not that I'm a Jason Christ apologist. It's not that I'm, uh, you know, his biggest fan. I, I, I mean, he's a coach and I'm, I'm covering this team and I'm, I'm just not there where everybody else seems to be yet. Just like I don't, I don't get too high or too low. If there's a, a couple of wins in a row, I don't get too high. If there's a couple of losses in a row, I try not to get too low because it's just, that's just the way sports uh, works. So, um, well, of course it's, it's funny you mentioned that because of course the way that last season started off mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I actually need to go back and listen to us those first couple, you know, weeks or like maybe week four, week five. Um, I'm sure that we were, you know, touting how you know, great this new back line is and, and all of this other stuff. And, and the lines were on a roll and even without Kaka, blah, you know, and we all know what the season ended up. Yeah. Well, here we are, we're three matches in and we, and most importantly, we've got an off week for that's going to allow people to get healthy. And, um, some people do start, you know, uh, the people who are, who have now come back. So, you know, Dom's, you know, back in, in, in full practice and uh, Coleman is, is there. Those pieces can actually start playing or practicing together. Mm-hmm. Now, even even with that, when we take on Red Bulls, even if those pieces are now on the field, they haven't played at match speed and, uh, you know, in a match in front of fans all at the same time with the noise, etc. So don't think that having a a week off and oh well now they'll they'll all get to practice together and when they come out everything will be fine no it's still going to take some time um we do have some advantages we will be at home uh you know sasha will be playing against his old team so i'm sure he'll be motivated i think honestly i think the entire team's going to be you know if you think you as a fan is pissed off right now i guarantee you that the guys that are getting paid to do this are not happy either no, they, I mean, they're putting as much pressure on themselves as and everybody else is. I mean, they, they know what the expectations are for this team. So we'll just see. Like I said, I want to see where this thing is at the end of April before I make any kind of real, um, you know, decisions. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here and I see a team that largely outplayed D.C. United despite being down a man. Um probably go on and win that game comfortably if they don't get a man sent off early. Uh, I see a team that I thought outplayed Minnesota and got beat on, on two counters. Um, just didn't put the ball in the, in the net. Just weren't clinical enough in front of net. I, I'm not displeased with the first two games the way they played. I'm not happy with the results, but I'm not displeased. Actually, the result in the first game I'm okay with because anytime you get points when you're not uh, at even strength, I think is a good thing. So, um, yeah, we were happy. Uh, go back and listen to the podcast. We were pretty happy after that one. I'll tell you, I'll take that one because it showed the fight and what this team you know is capable of. And I think that this team has heart, and I think that they they don't give up, and I think they do work hard. I haven't seen any quit, any give up. I have seen people who don't like Jason Christ say, well, that they, they, you know, he's lost the locker room. It's obvious. And I 
I disagree. I don't see a team that's given up on no. the coach. I didn't see it last year. In fact, um, with the exception of just the getting pounded in the final game, um, they really, uh, they really never showed any quit whatsoever um, with the possible exception of a certain forward who's not on the team anymore. Um, I, I thought that the team fought pretty hard last year for, uh, for each other, for Jason Christ, for the fans, for all of them, not just, you know, not just one, but all of that thing, uh, all of, all of those items. So um, I, I don't think it's time to panic. I think it's time to look for forward to the New York Red Bulls game, which is again, going to be a tough one. Um, a very good team. Uh, that uh, seems to be hitting uh, on all cylinders right now. Uh, not something you can say about some of the other contenders, like uh, you know, Seattle has not played well out of the gate. Um, uh, Toronto has dropped a couple of games already. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's early. If you think Toronto, with their two losses, they're they're on on track to not make the playoffs, I think that's that's incorrect. Uh, and who knows where Orlando City will end up? We don't know. Uh, at this point, we will know more later. Uh, the main thing about this team is they they've they've usually started off okay and then missed and then just absolutely bombed in the summer. So maybe we're doing the opposite. Yeah. This year. Maybe this is the opposite. Maybe this is a little slow out of the gate, and maybe they pick up steam later in the season, and and that would be nice. But we don't know yet. We we'll, we got a lot of soccer to play. I'm not going to panic. If people want to panic, though, I'm not gonna not gonna begrudge them. They're panicking. I mean, so you're not telling them <laughs> that they have to put the torches down and put the pitchforks back in the barn. You, they, you, they can hold on to them. It'll be fine. Cause you know what? Jason Christ <laughs> isn't going anywhere yet. Um, that's not going to nope. happen. Um, they spent way too much money for him to go anywhere right now. Yeah. It, he's not going anywhere. Uh, I, I would think that Alex Latow certainly expects that this club will make the playoffs. And if they don't, I think there'll be a hunt for a new coach. Um, we will Which at that point is perfectly right. reasonable. Right. That's reasonable. That's fair. And uh, we will certainly cover all aspects of that, uh, both on the podcast and uh, on our site at themainland.com. But um, you know, what I was, was going to say is we'll know a little more by the end of April. And certainly by the All-Star break, we will have our answers uh, as to what this team really is. But right now, it's, we're still fact-finding. Uh, Rossell just today, returned to full training. So Yuri Rossell, um, you know, presumably this team's best defensive midfielder, uh, hopefully will be back. Uh, and, and he is expected to be available for the Red Bulls game available. Not sure what that means. Maybe off the bench, the way Coleman was, uh, same with Dwyer. I, I expect those guys aren't going to be ready to go 90. Um, and, um, you know, we don't know if Spectre's availability yet. We did get some good news, Dave, though, about uh, Stefano Pino, uh, very nasty-looking injury against Minnesota, uh, and we were informed this week uh, that it's two to four weeks for Pino uh, expected to return after that. So um, that certainly could have been a season-ender or at least several months. Uh, so hearing two to four weeks to me was huge. And, and let's be clear for everybody, because there was actually some confusion in, in, in our internal chat. That's two to four weeks from the time they announced it. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. Because, I mean, you say, how, you know, how long so and so going to be out? And they don't say six weeks from two weeks ago. 
Right. That, that's not how that works. I'm really still surprised that that question came up in our chat. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny too, but I, you know, if it if it got confused in our chat, you know, who knows when yeah. whoever's that's listening. True. I figured it was better to be clear. All right, so Dave's out here making sure that uh, he's holding your hand through the whole process, and you know, <laughs> it's two to four weeks from now. Um, okay, so I think that pretty much covers everything we need to talk about Orlando City for now. Um, we will, of course, uh, preview that Red Bulls game on next week's show, and uh, we'll hopefully we'll know more about Jonathan Spector, who's day-to-day with that concussion, and uh, we'll also probably have a little bit more understanding of what happened in the international break, because it's not a weekend off for some, some of the guys. Uh, Merrim will be in action for Iraq, and, uh, of course, uh, Yoshi will be in, uh, in action for Peru, but at least his friendlies uh, are both in the U.S., so he doesn't have to go back to Peru for this. Um, he will be nearby. Uh, not, Excellent. Not nearby as in Florida, but within the U.S. Which... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then uh, again, uh, uh, Lamine Sané went to France, uh, but he is expected back, um, I think, by the end of the week. So, uh, again, a lot of a lot of times when you get new players from overseas, they will. Uh, have things that they need to take care of and have to go home for uh, when there's time to do that. So nothing, nothing to really report out of that. Yeah. No need to get concerned people. All right. So Dave, we're going to turn our attention toward the Orlando pride because they're going to open their season this weekend against Utah Royals FC, a brand kind of a brand new team, kind of not a brand new team. I mean, they're, they're, uh, roster largely was FC Kansas City, a, a pretty decent defensive team last year. Um, their coach is Laura Harvey, who came over from the Seattle Reign. Uh, ironically, uh, the old FC Kansas City coach is now with the Seattle Reign. So a lot of um, you know moving parts in the offseason for the NWSL. We're going to uh, break down the pride and their... Um, key matchups and their and we'll give our score predictions for the uh opening game against utah a little bit later in the show but for right now we're going to get to our special guest because our special guest happens to be from the orlando pride we're happy to bring you a conversation that we had with uh defender carson pickett now carson pickett comes down uh, from the rain in that trade that sent steph catley uh, to the Pacific Northwest, and um, so it's a, almost it's a like for like with uh, Pickett coming in to play left back for the Pride, but also the uh, the Pride gets uh, Christine Nairn in the deal, so um, a two for one, and I, I think that uh, people are going to be surprised with the level uh, of play they're going to get from Carson Pickett because I, I know Steph Catley, a beloved player for the Pride, um, very world renowned left back, very good at what she does. Um, but Carson Pickett, very, very good as well. In fact, uh, the, the team may not uh, miss a beat. So maybe Carson Pickett doesn't have the big name, but um, she uh, she may not uh, be a drop-off. No, I don't think she will be. And, and uh, I think I think you guys are going to enjoy uh, what she has to say. And more importantly, I think you're going to enjoy watching her play because uh, I have been for years, and she is a very uh, intense and fun player to watch. All right, so why don't we get to that Carson Pickett interview? We'll do that right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week is from the Orlando Pride defender Carson Pickett. Carson, thanks for being on the Mainland Podcast with us. Yes, of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. 
All right, so I want to just ask you a very simple question to start this uh, this chat, and that is, uh, can you please tell us everything there is to know about you in 30 seconds or less? What are the the high-level things that we need to know about you? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, from Jacksonville, Florida, I went to Florida State. Um, I was drafted fourth overall in the NWSL draft in Seattle, played in Seattle for two years and now got traded to Orlando for this upcoming season. And I was also born without a left arm. <laughs> <laughs> that, for, the, for those of you who, who, who uh, for the listeners who haven't paid attention, that last one might have taken them a little bit by surprise. Uh, <laughs> it, it didn't for us. Um, you know, I've actually, uh, I live in Tallahassee, so I've actually been following you since uh, your Florida State days. So, um, oh, that's awesome. I know, and it's really great that now you're on my pride. So uh, uh, yes. it's, it's really nice for me. Um now, for those of those people who haven't, like me, been able to follow you that whole time, um, tell them, uh, obviously you, you play left back. Can you describe um, your style of player or, you know, your how you think that, that your, your best assets uh, in your game and how that fits in with the uh, pride? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely a possession-oriented player. Um, I definitely love playing on a team that keeps the ball and doesn't kick and chase and run. Um, I seem to be pretty athletic, but I definitely love, you know, controlling the ball and having it at my feet rather than chasing it. Um, I know Tom has always been a possession oriented guy and coach. So when I got the news that I was getting, um, traded to Orlando, it was, it was really awesome because um, I knew that it fit my style of play, and that was like something that I had been wanting. Uh, you know, coming from Florida State, which was completely possession oriented, um, I wanted that in the pro level, and now I'm getting the chance to play for Tom, who plays exactly my style. Now you come to us uh, after you know you you like a lot of the Pride players. You were over in Australia playing in the W League. And you even, in fact, were, were named to, I believe, the players' selection for Best 11. That, that must have been quite an experience for you over there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, it was one of the best decisions I've made um, in my playing career. I knew that, you know, I knew there's a lot of um, pros to it and only a couple cons. You know, leaving my family for Christmas was a huge one because I am an only child and all my family lives in Jacksonville. So I knew taking that step was definitely going to, um, be a hard one, you know, leaving my family, but I knew that it was what was right for my career. And, um, I went over there and I never looked back and honestly, it was just the best decision. It made me grow as a um, person, but definitely as a player, getting to play with a lot of the Australian national team players, you know, Sam Kerr, and now I get to play against her year round. So it was just a, a great opportunity and I'm super, super happy that I was able to, to experience that this year. Well, we're glad that you got that uh, extra time in. And um, uh, now I, I want to ask you about your personal goals for the season. Now, the reason I say it that way is um, I fully expect that uh, your goals line up with the team goals and that whatever's good for the team is what you want to do. In addition yeah. to that, in addition to that, what personal goals okay. do you have for yourself as a player on the pride? Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at the national team, a lot of the, Defend, uh, the outside backs are attacking oriented and get forward and so that's the one thing in my career I know I need to um, get better at this year and that's been 
my goal all off season is just to continue to be better with the ball and to be able to, you know, whip crosses in when I have the when I have the chance. And that's one of my strengths. But if you don't practice it, you know, obviously it can go away. So I've been trying to practice that and practice that and just honestly getting forward and getting more assists this year and, you know, getting being able to not only defend but be a big attacker even as a defender is a huge goal for me. Now, Carson, obviously Steph Catley was a very popular player here. She's a very, uh, a very uh, talented yeah. player. Does that is that something that you know puts pressure on you to come in and try to perform, or is that something you just you can't worry about that? So you just let it go and just be yourself. How do you attack that? Yeah, I mean, obviously Steph's a great player, but I think this off season I showed that I have the ability to play um, to her level, and I think that that's been something that is going to, you know, help me in the, in the future because um, I was able to see her play and see how she was. So I think it's, we're pretty, pretty similar in a lot of our aspects of our games. And I really think that, um, that, you know, it's not something I can worry about, but I do think that I will be able to step in and be able to, you know, do everything that she was able to do here. Well, uh, speaking of your uh, your new team, obviously coming in playing uh, with new players, um, a new coach, a new stadium. Um, fortunately for you, a familiar state. Um, you know, having grown up not too far from there. But um, is there uh, anybody in particular that is as um, that you've you've bonded with or is is helping you out in transitioning into the squad? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I've since Orlando was became a team. I you know, knew they were a close team, and I knew that when I got traded here that I was going to fit right in because they're such a family-oriented team. I knew that coming into the squad was not going to be a too hard of a transition because they were such a family-oriented team, and um, I think that's definitely lucky for me to be able to go to a team because getting traded, you know, you're not, you weren't there since the beginning, so it's definitely a new change, but the people around you help you the most, and I think this team has done amazing with um incorporating us into their team and acting like we've been here the whole time how much did it help you having some teammates come along with you in the trades oh it's been amazing i actually um i've been i live with my um with christine nairn who was my teammate in seattle so just that um that part of it living together and it honestly helps because you spend so much time with that person and you know have already known Marin from before it was such an easy transition I was super comfortable which is always a nice thing because you have to be comfortable when you're you know when you're in a new squad the first thing is to be comfortable mm-hmm. for you to play well and I really feel super comfortable with her and Haley Kottmeyer as well just being able to um already have known them and bonded with them before is a huge huge asset I think well, now, uh, obviously, we've uh, we've gotten through the preseason and we're coming up on the first match. Um, give me your thoughts on on Utah and uh, what you guys are hoping to accomplish. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to make a stand for the first season. Uh, I mean, the first game of the season. You know, coming out, everyone looks at those scores. Obviously, every game is important, but that first one just put, puts a stamp on your season. And I think that um, we don't, you know. They're, they're kind of a new team, but kind of not. It's a very weird transition from Kansas City. So, um, you know, we're doing our best to, to figure out what, the, what they're going to do, obviously. And um, it'll be a good challenge for us because I think that our preseason matches um, have been really awesome and we've done really well as a team. So I think that's really positive going forward into this first game. 
Now, some of the players at, at the Pride Media Day said that um, this is as talented a team that they as they've ever played on for club and, and some for country, and and then also that uh, it's as good as any maybe any club in the world in terms of personnel. Does that put pressure on you guys to to perform it right out of the gate, or, or you know, do you just uh, sort of relax and do your own thing? I mean, uh, how how do you approach that? Yeah, honestly, um, you know, hearing that we could be the best team, you know, in, in the league or in the world is means one thing. It means that we're all, you know, veteran oriented, and which means you don't get nervous or you don't worry about what people, you know, are saying or hoping for your team. It's nice because you get to step in and play how you want to play and get to play with the best in the world. Honestly, we're not worried about you know living up to those expectations because I really think that it'll all come into place when it needs to. Uh, speaking of uh, the world class level that uh, uh, people are attributing to the squad, um, was there any uh, any players you know when you came on that you were particularly excited to to get to play with? Um, you know, obviously that you hadn't before. Yeah, um, being in the league now, you're not so much of a fan anymore um like you were when you're younger but honestly playing with um Allie Krieger in the back I just um she's such a good player and she's so solid and I knew that I would learn so much from her in a short amount of time and that's exactly um what I've done and I think that that's been a huge benefit in, in helping my game Carson what was your first conversation like with Tom Sermani after you were <laughs> traded to Orlando um he called me when I was in Australia and was you know, welcoming me to the team and we were talking and he said, we're so happy to have you. And, you know, we're excited and told me a little bit of how we wanted to play. And I knew that it was the right, the right fit, you know, immediately, right. When I started talking to him, I knew it was something that was really, really good because the trade can always be a little scary at first, but from the first conversation where he called me and, you know, he just made me feel special. And I think that that's a huge thing from a coach and, the last thing he said was welcome home. And honestly, it brought tears to my eyes because it is so nice to be, to pretty much be home and to be able to play in front of my family again. Uh, speaking of being home, obviously uh, you've played, you know, uh, across the world, across the country um, at FSU, of course um, they have, you know, very good facilities, very good coach, um, et cetera. Tell me what you think of the uh, Orlando organization overall. And of course that, uh, that nice new stadium that you're going to be playing in. Yeah. I mean, the best word is professional. They treat us um, the exact same as the men, and I think that's saying a lot because, you know, at some other clubs, uh, the guys trump the girls, and here we are completely equal. And um, I really, really appreciate that. And I think that there's a lot of women in the club that are high, um, you know, high on the rankings and stuff, and it shows that they, they truly believe in us. And the facilities here are unreal, and they, we know, they respect us and we respect them. And, um, you know, training in this type of um, environment just makes it that much sweeter. Um, the wins are that much better because of the amazing stadium and all the fans in this community. But, you know, the facilities here are just so professional and unreal that I feel so lucky to even be um, playing in this stadium. 
Well, Carson, before we let you go, uh, just two more quick questions for you that I have. And the first of those, you just touched upon the fans, and you were, as we record this, you just completed the Pride in the House event. Uh, how was that uh, meeting the fans uh, here in Orlando, and and, uh, and and how were you received tonight? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, you know, I was sitting next to Christine Nairn, actually, and when we were signing autographs, we just looked at each other and smiled because we just felt, so much joy um, from this community and they know your names. You know, we, we just got here a month ago and they already know our names and our positions and everything. And you just sort of, you know, it just makes you feel really, really lucky. And I think sometimes we take advantage of um, our, you know, being professional athletes and we have some excuses and sometimes we don't want to go do that appearance, but, Honestly, seeing all the fans tonight makes makes you want to go play just that much harder for them, and I think that's so so big. The fans are a huge part of your season and a huge part of your team because they boost you in the last five minutes of the game when you're dead tired. So having that connection has honestly been amazing, and tonight really showed. That's great. And, and you know, one final thing I wanted to ask about Saturday is how strange will it be for you to look across the field and see Laura Harvey on the other <laughs> side? Yeah, I mean, Laura obviously holds a special place in my heart. She um, she drafted me and believed in me um, from the beginning. So it definitely will be very, very different and a little bittersweet. But um, I think I think we're all ready. You know, we still have you know the jokes with her, the inside jokes, and so much banter. So I think it'll be um, a great match, and I'm super excited to see her. But hope we can beat her. <laughs> All right, Carson Pickett, uh, defender from the Orlando Pride. Thanks so much for being with us on the Mainland Podcast, and uh, we wish you the best of luck this season. All right, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. All right, a big thanks to Carson Pickett for being this week's guest. A little bit uh, of audio difficulty during that call. We had a little bit of a bad connection at times, so we apologize for that. But I think most of that came through okay, and you could probably – uh, understand what she was saying or get the gist of a couple of those things that didn't quite come through clearly. Uh, we want to thank uh, Jackie Maynard from the Pride Communications staff for setting that up as well. Uh, thanks to all and a, and a big congratulations to the Pride on a nice Pride in the House event on Monday night earlier this week. A good turnout from the fans uh, to come out and uh, you know perhaps buy the new Away kit, which I think is pretty sharp, Dave. Oh, I like it a lot. A lot. I may have to get myself one. It's, uh, it's, yeah. If if you haven't seen it, go out find it. It's on Twitter. It's easy to find. Um, but no, it's. I saw that, and um, yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I, I texted it to uh, my girlfriend, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I already saw that," and <laughs> she's probably already ordered it. So yeah, I actually have a Pride jersey, and it's a it's an away kit from. It's the older away kit, but uh, um, it, they had it on special because they were changing kits, and I was like, I got to get me one of those. Uh, so I did. Uh, yeah, I know, but that new one. Woo. Yeah, the the Pride Away jerseys have actually been nicer than their home jerseys, I think, so far. Yeah, you know, it's uh, and don't get me wrong, me wrong, I love the purple. Yeah. But, um, oh yeah, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying the other ones have been better. Right. It's just it, because they they have to do some sort of other designish thing rather than you know the the solid purple. It gives them a little more artistic freedom, I guess. And because of that, like I agree, they they have been better. Well, they they also have the Nike uh, templates instead of the Adidas templates to work with, so it's a different look. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> a little bit different look. Um, sure. I think Adidas mailed it in hard this year on, on some of the kits this year. Yeah, I, I 
generally as a uh, going back a long, you know, long, long time, like decades. I generally like Adidas as a company better, um, but that's that's decades old soccer stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But yeah, you're right. They've uh, I the, maybe it's just that uh, Nike. I don't, and I don't even know who has more money. I don't know. Maybe the design people at Nike are better. Who knows? I, I don't know. Adidas, go go. Try and buy some of the Nike guys to come do some designs. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dave, I have noticed there are no new five-star iTunes reviews, so we will not be reading any iTunes five-star Why reviews. don't you like us? <laughs> uh, one thing that will help us if you like what we do, it doesn't cost you anything, uh, go leave us a star rating and um, and leave us a nice review. And, and uh, if it's a five-star review, we will read it on the air, and, uh, and we will uh, show our appreciation. Um, it helps us reach more listeners. The, the, the best things you can do for us is that or to spread the uh, the word and uh, tell all your friends and family that they should be listening and, and subscribing to the Mainland Podcast. Um, let's get to our mailbag, Dave. I don't have a big mailbag this week, I don't think, unless some stuff came in uh, in between um, – Right before we recorded, and and now, <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah. But I do have, I do have some. Uh, did you, do you get any this week? I uh, got one. Let me pull it up. If you've got yours pulled up, go ahead did and start, you, and then okay. I'll. Uh, I'm gonna start. Uh, first of all, there's two ways you can uh, ask your questions. You can email us at uh, themainland at gmail dot com. That's t h e m a n e l a n d dot com. Main like a lion's mane. M a n e, not m a i n. Uh, the other way you can do is you can tweet us, and our, our Twitter is at the mainland. Make sure you at us and use that hashtag #AskTMLPC. That's the hashtag you use uh, on Twitter to uh, to ask your questions. Hashtag #AskTMLPC. Uh, that's how you can ask us literally anything about anything. Uh, so uh, let me start with the email that I got from Lee. Lee sent us an email with a couple of questions. In fact, I didn't get any on Twitter this week, so we'll just go with these and go with the ones that that you got as well. Uh, But uh, Lee wants to know, first of all, he says, I know know we're all heartbroken that Besiktas has been eliminated from uh, the Champions League, Uh, but who's your pick to win the Champions League, Dave? Win the Champions League? Win the Champions League, UEFA Champions League. Ooh, well, um, you know, I, I'm going to be a homer. I'm, I'm going to say my uh, my Reds get it done and, and, and Liverpool wins uh, just based on the fact that Mo Salah cannot be stopped right now. I'm going to LOL at your pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he scored four goals last game. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And that's okay. all well and good. Uh, okay. I am. Uh, I am going. Well, there's a conspiracy against the English teams. That's why they're making them play each other. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I definitely think they're going to have a hard time getting by Man City. Um, but I, my pick is going to be uh, Barca. I'm going to take Barca this year. Um, okay. I, I, well, that's 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 the easy pick. Man. Well, it might be an easy pick, but it's also a pick that disgusts me because they're playing my Roma next, and I don't want Roma uh-huh. to go out. But I I think Roma will go out uh, to Barcelona, and I'm also not real happy that Salah is not there anymore. Yeah, <laughs> he's fantastic. He's he is leading 
the uh, he's leading the Golden Boot right now by by good margin. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> what are you What are you telling me? Something I don't know. You think I don't know that? Uh, just 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 enjoying it. That's all. Just really enjoying it. Yeah. Only uh, only. Didn't appear very much for Roma. I think I played about 65 games for Roma, but he did score like almost 30 goals, I think. So, uh, yeah, he was he was uh, I was not thrilled when they sold him. But, you know, this is what Italian teams do. Uh, so, yeah, well. especially what Roma does. It's like we yeah, we, <laughs> we got a good we got a good player here. We're, that, this has to end. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta get rid of this guy. Might, act, want some. <laughs> might accidentally win some trophies and bring him home. <laughs> so yeah, so I think I think Barca. Although you know what, I'm not gonna count out Real Madrid because they they do have a habit of doing doing this thing. Uh, of winning yeah, they this do. Thing. So uh, I think the Spanish sides are gonna be the ones to watch. Uh, although uh, you know. I, I, it really could be either of those teams or Man City or Bayern. Yeah. It could be those. It, it could teams. be any of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't see it being Liverpool. I certainly don't see it being Roma um, as much as I would love it to be Roma. Uh, How great would it be if it ended up being, you know, Liverpool versus Roma? Well, it would be terrible because I know Roma would lose because they're not allowed, not allowed <laughs> to have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would have to talk about it. It would be a whole thing. Yeah. No, the, okay, the, you're the right. much less joyful Juventus has a much better shot than, than Roma. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm still kind of bitter about the team selection that allowed Sevilla to go through too. So I'm, I'm not happy about the Champions League. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. All right. Uh, so Lee, thank you for that question. He also wants to know, and I, I'm blaming Austin David for this question. Uh, okay. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? <sighs> All right. Um, this is this is like the it's the hot dog of sandwich. Yeah, thing, yeah. Uh, and, and Austin was asking this at Pride Media Day, and I was just rolling my eyes so hard that they 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 were both sprained. I sprained both eyes. Both yeah, of I'm them. On in, wow. I'm on injured reserve for the day. You're injured reserve right yeah. now. Yeah, it's a good thing that all we do is talk. Two to four weeks. Otherwise... I'm, on, I'm on the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I it, my my opinion on this and only my opinion is no it does not belong on pizza um i believe pizzas should be um uh spicy not sweet and thus pineapple has no place on my pizza okay so that's your take my take is the opposite uh but with a caveat i think pine- okay. i think pineapple does belong on a pizza but only if it's just ham and pineapple Ah, okay. I, I like the ham and pineapple pizza. I do not like any other combination with pineapple at all. I can kind of, I can kind of tolerate bacon because it's bacon, but I think bacon also, sure. bacon also steps on the ham too much. So, um, some Hawaiian pizzas they put bacon on, some they don't. Some some Hawaiian pizzas put almonds on there, and that's just really wrong. Uh, nuts on a pizza. That's way too yeah, healthy. Nuts on a pizza is just not not good. Um, <laughs> it's nuts. But my, my, you know, I have I have different. Um, it's almost like I have different pizza tastes, like depending on what mood I'm in. And like I okay. could go like like my go-to is uh, is pepperoni, sausage, ham, and banana peppers. Little little okay. kick with some red pepper also sprinkled on there. Um, sure. So that's the spicy one. Uh, I can do just the regular pepperoni. Uh, yep. I can do just a cheese pizza, especially during Lent on a Friday. 
because <laughs> you know can't have meat. Um, and well, no, you get to choose what you don't have. You could say I don't want pineapple during Lent. It would be fine. No, no, no meat on Fridays. No meat on Fridays. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, we're not going to go into the history of that, no, but yeah. No. So no meat on Fridays. So anyway, it has, it has it has nothing to do with the Pope having a brother <laughs> that was selling fish or anything like that. It wasn't political at all. It was all from God. It's just. Let's don't let's don't bring it's div- don't it's, bring religion into this. It's divine. Don't bring don't 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 go there. Um, okay. This okay. is not that kind of podcast. Uh, and then uh, sometimes I just like the the ham and pineapple. You know I'm a pepperoni sausage extra cheese guy. Um, yeah, that's a solid. That's a solid. Uh, it's it's combo. It's you can't you can't go wrong with it. And I mean I I can have you know I can certainly do bacon. I can certainly do peppers. I can do onions even. You know I, I'm I'm anti mushroom, but I'm anti mushroom in anything. Yeah, same. So it's, same. Right, it's, it's not a pizza thing. It's right. it's a across the board mushroom thing. Um, so I think what we're saying is is Lee, yeah, uh, we're split on does a pineapple belong on a pizza, but we're agreed that mushrooms do not belong on a pizza. Right. So you heard it here first. <laughs> At least not one that we're eating. Um, That's right. Yeah, this can be very controversial and very hot takey if we let it. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I have a very finite uh, number of ingredients that I like on a pizza and. I will like just about any combination of those, like I said, except for the pineapple that only works with ham. But any of the other ingredients I like, they can be in any combination. And it's just not the pineapple. So right. that's 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 pretty specific. Right. That's so, that's good. Yeah, but I, I I do like I like you know I like I like all the meats because you know meat. <laughs> and uh, except on a yeah, Friday. Yeah, I like the pepperoni. Uh, I uh, I like the the I'm sorry the banana pepper. I like that. So that's oh, got yeah, a good, good. taste. I, I like the black olive. Um, I can't do the black which olive. I, you know what? I never used to like black olives. It's only since I've – I've only been eating them about 10 years. Okay. And I'm and 50. That, that, that sounds like a long time to someone yeah, this. Yeah, it does. But I'm like – I'm 51. So for 40 years, for for more than four decades, I wouldn't touch a – I wouldn't touch an olive. Right. You know, I would not right. touch one uh, <laughs> to save my life. Um but uh, yeah, so you know all the meats, the banana peppers, the the olives. I'm not an onion guy on a pizza. I'm not a green pepper guy, basically on anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, so anyway, um, I think we've answered the question and then went in way too much detail about everything else. Yeah, because as we are one to do, nobody's listening anymore. Yeah, they left it hours yeah, ago. Left. Sorry about that. Uh, but thank you, Lee, for your questions. Uh, Dave, do you have uh, a question from our friend Mark Johnson? Is that who uh, wrote I to you? I do indeed have a question from our friend uh, friend of the show, Mark Johnson. And um, it's uh, we are all off topic this week. Uh, Champions League, pizza, and now, um, oddly enough, he, uh, because of our, our guest, asks if um, – we think that uh, FSU has a chance to win a national championship in women's soccer this year. I thought you were going to go a whole other way there and, and say uh, <laughs> win the NCAA tournament because <laughs> um, of the big upset uh, this past week. Um, oh, that! Oh, man. Side note, everybody's bracket got blown up by UMBC. And then Florida State beat Xavier to blow up everybody else's bracket that still remained. Well, I mean, there were a lot. There were a, there really were a lot of big upsets in this tournament. A lot of them. I mean, not to get too far off topic, but um, North Carolina going down was one. 
Uh, I mean, there there were some sizable upsets uh, early in this tournament this year. Yeah, and and you and I, you know, talked about it. I'm I don't do brackets. I don't do fantasy sports, and my life is better for it. I get to laugh at everybody else who is so engaged in all that. Although I would like everybody to stop talking about it on the timeline on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, one thing that we definitely just as a public service announcement, no one cares about your bracket. Nobody cares about your bracket. You care about your bracket. You care. And we that understand that. You care that it's blown up or that it's or that you're still in it and you can win. No one else cares. Literally, no other human being cares. So, nope. um, and it's the same with your fantasy team. Don't tell us about your running back uh, dilemma this week because we don't care. No one cares. It's a, it's nope. a, as they say on Game of Thrones, it is known. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to the Mark Johnson's question. Yes. Um, Does FSU have a shot at another national title? I honestly think Stanford is pretty stacked and that they might repeat. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, you know, having uh, got to go cover uh, uh, FSU when they, they beat their pride, albeit a pride with uh, a bunch of um, trialists that literally met in the locker room uh, earlier that night. Um you know, FSU is always going to have a chance. They've got world-class facilities. They've got an excellent coach. Um, they recruit, recruit well, and they always play near the top. Do they have a chance? Sure. Um, do I want them to? Yes. Will they? Ah, that I don't know. So, But to answer his question, um, do they have a shot? Yes, they have a shot. Yeah, yeah I would say they have a shot. Um, I, don't, I haven't really looked too deeply into uh, – the women college soccer season no, to come yet. And um, if, if Castellanos plays the way she did against the pride, then they have a real shot. Well, totally. Uh, you know, when you have a player like that, that could be the difference, um, yep. you know, in any given round against any given opponent, because any moment of magic can be the difference in a, in a very tight game. Um, I, you know, it was a real treat for me to cover the women's uh, final four last year, the, uh, uh, the, mm-hmm. the college cup uh, at Orlando city stadium. That was really great. And I think, again, I think some of those teams will be in contention, um, you know, again, uh, you know, next year, I think that UCLA and, and Stanford both return, uh, you know, some, some very high quality teams and they're well coached. And I think also the same, you could say for Duke. Um, yep. I see a little more fall off for uh, the fourth team that made it the South Carolina Gamecocks, but um uh, you know, I think certainly those other three teams will be uh, in contention. I, I wouldn't count out South Carolina from getting back to the College Cup because, uh, again, they're well coached. I was very impressed with one of their uh, center backs, too, and, they, and I, whose name escapes me right now, but she was very good. And I thought uh, she was – I think she made the, the all-tournament – or the all-college all cup team or whatever they called it, the, the best 11 for that uh, – tournament i certainly voted for her so uh, so what we're saying is that uh not only should you be watching uh the orlando pride because it's excellent uh football but you should also probably go pay attention to whoever your local women's college team is because it's probably also excellent football well the thing about women's college soccer too dave is that you're going to see players that are going to play in the nwsl and yeah consider it scouting you're not going to see as many uh, NCAA soccer players on the men's side play in MLS uh, no. because the the model has gone away from college players largely and uh, and more toward you know uh, 
you know, developing academy players and signing internationals. So, yep. Uh, it, it's but not you will absolutely see future players if you go watch uh, college women's soccer. Right, right. So uh, I recommend it. It's it's really fun to watch. Oh, my girlfriend and I already talked about uh, taking the kids to uh, to FSU games uh, whenever we can this year. Good, good for you guys. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, Mark Johnson, for the question. Does Mark have any uh, other follow up questions? No, he uh, he was uh, he's he, Mark's in law school, as we've told you before. He's a very busy man, but he did take time out to get at least that one for us. Okay, well, if he's in law school, I look forward to him becoming a sports blogger at some point. <laughs> Yeah. I is, tried to I tried to get him to help us. <laughs> that is definitely the the That's gateway the point of that. Yeah, the gateway to <laughs> blogging is law school, I think, because like ninety percent of sports bloggers are, are people that have law in, degrees are either in law school or yes have are, are have law degrees. So. <laughs> I'll let uh, him know that. Well, no, actually, you just did because he listens. Yeah. So. <laughs> so that's Ask the Main Land podcast. Thank you. And again, uh, email us at mainland at gmail.com or tweet to us using the AskTMLPC hashtag to at the mainland uh, on Twitter. Uh, Dave, we've got a game coming up this weekend, and it's not Orlando City. The Pride going to kick off the 2018 season with... Not all their pieces in place. Uh, the puzzle is not complete. The Australians, Alana Kennedy and Emily Van Eggman, are uh, getting ready for the Asian Cup, the Women's Asian Cup, which is mm-hmm. part of World Cup qualifying. So a very important uh, tournament for them, um, which they should do very, very well in and, and probably will win it. I think they, they're probably the favorites there. Um, so no Alana this weekend and uh, no... Uh, Emily Van Eggman, but still a very formidable pride side about to take the pitch against Utah Royals FC. Uh, what is your key matchup and score prediction? Um, key matchup is um, going to be how how they do in the midfield. Um, you know, uh, we'll have Marta uh, you know near the top of the midfield. I, I think they're going to do fine, honestly. But um, like you said, without uh, Van Eggman in there, that would be my only point of concern. Um, you know, I, we talked about this last week where, you know, they, they filled in pieces and uh, it's, it's, it's such a solid squad that, you know, even when somebody's out, there's, there's still quality behind them. So I'm not quite as worried. I, I would say it's, it's the midfield. I think we have a, a plethora of strikers. Um, so if, if they can get the ball up to, up to the top for them, then, you know, we score goals. Um, not that, you know, Utah is at all a, a bad, uh, squad themselves, but, um, as for a score prediction, um, out the gate first, first match, I'm going to say two, one to the pride. All right. That is, uh, that's actually pretty good. I really like what Utah did in the off season in terms of, uh, the midfielders that they've brought in, uh, I mean, Diana Matheson, uh, when healthy, is is very mm-hmm. good. Uh, Desiree Scott, Canadian international, very good. Um, you know, uh, Katrina Gorey, Australian international, again, probably out for this game. Um, but they've, they've done a lot of good things in that midfield. And the defense was already good um, with Becky Sauerbrunn. They brought in Kelly O'Hara. Yep. Uh, Katie Bowen. I mean, they, they have pretty good defense and a good goalkeeper. Um, so I think for me, the key matchup is 
going to be the front line of the pride against that uh, that back line. Can they break okay. them down? Can they get scoring chances? I know that, uh, you know, basically that back line was difficult to score against uh, when it was with Kansas City, and it will probably be just as, as uh, difficult to score against uh, with Utah. Now, um, that said, I really like the addition of Sidney LaRue. I like uh, Alex Morgan and Marta working together. So I, I think 2-1 is probably a pretty fair um, prediction. And so one thing we can bank on is it won't be 2-1. Yeah, because we're always wrong. Now, to be <laughs> fair, this is the first time we've ever predicted a pride match. So we don't know if our predictions for pride are going to be off or not. Most likely have, they um, will be. I think we might have picked I – think, I think we might – I feel like we might Did have we? picked them at some point. And maybe that was before – uh, you became co-host, but I, yeah, I feel maybe. like some, I don't remember doing that. But I feel like at some it was point, a playoff or yeah, something. I, maybe for the playoff game. Uh, it was probably I, the playoff. Uh, but I also feel like at some point Orlando City was off, or maybe it was like for the for the opener, and uh, and I feel like we did that at least once or twice somewhere along the line. So it may have predated you, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure we've done it before. Our listeners might know. I'm sure they've got every every episode, all 117 of these now. Uh, Somebody has a memorized. On this. They, they've all, yeah, they've all been memorized. So, and they've done. If not, they could do their data analytics and let us know. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So uh, I'm pretty excited about seeing uh, the pride this weekend and seeing what they uh, put on the field, how they line up, um, especially on the defensive side. Uh, will Poliana uh, be uh, at right back? Will Krieger move to right back? Um, who gets taken out of center back if, if Shalina Zadorsky plays, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot, uh, going on there. And then again, in the midfield, um, it, you know, you, you can pretty much assume that Danny Weatherholt will play. Um, will Marta play on the front line? Will she play in the midfield? It, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Tom lines them up. He likes the four, three, three. He sometimes likes the four, two, three, one. Uh, I like this, um, roster for the 433. I think if you have if you have Alex Morgan on the top between LaRue and Marta, I think you're going to cause a heck of a lot of problems for teams. Yeah, cuz who do you mark? <laughs> uh and and in addition to that, and then you can bring Rachel Hill off the bench or you can start Rachel Hill on the right and put Marta as the the number 10 pulling the strings. Boy. So uh, there's a lot of of options for Tom Sermani and uh, I, I want I'm really anxious to see Carson Pickett on the field uh, with this team I'm, I'm really uh, interested to see how um, you know Christine Nairn fits in uh, I know she's got a lot of she got a lot of playing time mm-hmm. in the preseason so it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch and uh, uh, man the pride season ramping up it's going to be fun Oh, looking forward to it. It's uh, and what I'm kind of glad of is that uh, the the opener for the Pride is on a week off for Orlando City, so there is no excuse from anybody to not go and watch, uh, either go to the stadium and watch or uh, watch. Um, now I don't. Uh, I'm trying to find out where it's going to be uh, online. It'll at least be online. You'll be able to see it there, um, and there's but there's no reason to, to not find a way to watch this match. Yeah, it'll be on Go90, and also if you go to the uh, 
to the uh, NWSL website. They should have a link to where you can uh, link to it online mm-hmm. and stream it online. Um, it won't be the Lifetime Game of the Week. Uh, those are the, the only ones on TV or the nationally televised Lifetime Games. And this is not one of those, but you can definitely stream it. But go see it at Orlando City Stadium. Um, support the team. Uh, you're going to be – if you've never been to a women's game before, you're going to be amazed at the quality of the play, I think, um, if, you, if you're not – been uh, paying attention to it um and certainly if you're a fan of the u.s women's national team you're gonna have a lot of reasons to go watch that game between uh you know larue and morgan and krieger and harris sour bond sour and um uh, uh o'hara on the other side so yep uh, lots of of good players i'm also anxious to see um this uh yona's daughter yon's daughter from iceland that uh that they picked up uh, over there at, uh, at Utah too. She's supposed to be a good player. So oh, okay. um, really looking forward to a lot of, Oh, also Amy Rodriguez plays for, oh, uh, yeah. for Utah. So, uh, you know, A-Rod, you know, <laughs> the A-Rod as far as I'm concerned. Yes. The A-Rod. I, 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 I you won't get any argument from me on that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, so why don't we, uh, put a bow on uh, episode number 117 of the mainland podcast. A big thanks to Carson Pickett for being on this week and to uh, to Jackie Maynard for setting that up. Really appreciate that. We will be back next week to break down Orlando Pride versus Utah Royals. Uh, we will also preview, of course, the Red Bulls match for Orlando City. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll have a hundred other things to rant and rave about um, when, by the time we get to that game. So uh, yeah, we might even, <laughs> might even be able to see what your feedback about, uh, about this, uh, podcast was. Yeah. Send us your feedback, email us, whatever. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, not only, uh, will we have that, but of course next Tuesday, the U S men's national team takes on Paraguay. So there'll, there'll be that as well. And, uh, a very, mm. very young team for, um, the U S. So we'll get to see some young stars. And uh, looking forward to all of that. So, Dave, we will be back next week uh, to do all that. Please go uh, read our stuff at themainland.com. Follow us on Twitter, at The Mainland. Like us on Facebook. And, uh, of course, uh, subscribe to our podcast and uh, get your friends to subscribe. And also leave us some nice feedback on iTunes. And uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, we will have number 118 at that time. Until then, I am... Michael Citro, founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. On behalf of Dave Rowe, signing off the way I always do, saying go city. But this week, I'll also say go pride.